Welcome to the Field Sales Leadership Guide podcast, where we discuss with experienced and successful sales leaders what works and what doesn't in the sales profession. Join us as we tap into high-performing sales leaders and their passion for field sales. We've lined up for you some of the smartest movers and shakers in sales leadership to share their formulas for success and the tricks of the trade. Join us as we pull back the curtain, giving you actionable insights and strategies that you can use with your sales team. So welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We have a bit of, of a different episode in store for you today. Most sales leaders that, that we work with, not only on this podcast, but with Matt, my customers, they lead sales teams that are employed by their company. Today, we get to speak with a sales leader specific to independent reps or 1099 reps. Now, there are some really specific nuances when dealing with 1099 reps. So I've actually been really excited about this conversation. We're going to be speaking with Brian Schauer. He's the head of product design and business development with NovaStep. Brian, welcome to the podcast. I've been really excited for this episode. No, I appreciate it. I was really looking forward to this and I'm glad we finally found a time to meet. Absolutely. Okay, so let's dive in. I want to give the listeners and the sales leaders joining us today, let's give a little bit of a background. Firstly, about yourself. How did you get into sales? Why sales? I always like that one as well. And now why sales leadership? Sure. So got into sales. I was going to school at Ryder University in Lawrence, Lawrence Township. And my economics professor would come into De Lorenzo's tomato pies all the time. If you haven't been there, follow the Barstool guy, Dave Portnia, I think is how you say it. Give us a 9-3. Awesome. Got to go. So they would come in and literally said to me, you know, you really need to go in- into sales. You're good at talking, communicating. It, it just it seemed like it came natural to me. And that was kind of the direction that she pointed me in. And you got to think back with going to school and trying to figure out what do you actually want to do with your life? You kind of take every little bit of mentorship that you can. So that's kind of really how it all started with trying to go into sales. She recommended going with a company called Tyco International. I believe Ryder University had some sort of sales internship with Tyco. And I was managing a bar at the time. And one of the guys that used to come in during happy hour basically said to me, you know, he works for Tyco. Couldn't say one bad thing about the company. And ADT was the sister company. Just Tyco International was, I guess, commercial, big, large commercial buildings, where ADT was more small office space or residential. You may have one in your home. I do. And when I moved to Arizona, that's pretty much how it all started before I got into medical device sales. I always love hearing people speak into other people's lives, identifying skills, talents, gifts. That's always a a great story of somebody recognizing some strengths that you had to point you in the right direction. Well, I was appreciative because I really had no clue what I was going to do. It was either that or I was just going to continue making pizza for a long time. (laughs) That's that's great. That's great. All right. So let's dive in a a little bit about NovaStep. Tell us about NovaStep product line, who you serve and what you guys solve. NovaStep is a foot and ankle medical device company. Started in 2015 in France, came over to the United States in 2016. So we we are a global foot and ankle company for medical device in the foot and ankle space. So we have our international team and headed in Rennes, France. And then we have our U.S. team based out of Englewood Cliffs, just outside of New York City across the river. So we handle everything in the United States. Really, the, the product line is for 
devices to handle complex fusions or fractures of the foot and ankle. And we develop implants as well as instrumentation to really help solve and get better outcomes for the patient and as well as the surgeon performing the, the surgery. So this is hitting home with me right now. I was hoping that you were going to be able to do something with ligaments because Cooper Cup on my fantasy roster needs uh, ankle surgery because of torn ligaments in the game just a couple of days back. And I really wanted you to get him back on the field sooner for the fantasy playoffs coming up. You know, I cannot do anything about soft tissue. That's not an area that we solve. But what we really do uh, solve, you, you probably, maybe your, your wife or spouse or family member, if they're prone to bunions or have had bunions in the past or need bunion surgery, we really are leading the space in minimally invasive or percutaneous bunion correction. So instead of having, you know, historically these were done with big, large incisions and things like that, we, we started with the, the bunion with three stab incisions and patients are actually healing much faster, getting back on their feet right after surgery. And we're starting to look at other areas in the foot where we can do this, such as hammer toes, which is a common deformity in the foot. And that's something that, you know, when I came to Novastep, that was my goal was launching a foot and ankle portfolio for percutaneous surgery. And it started with the bunion and now it's really expanding out. Awesome. Let's talk about the go-to-market team. How many distributors do you lead? What does that look like? Where are they located? We're a national company, right? In the United States, obviously a global company, but focusing just on the United States, right? We have independent sales agents or distributors around the country, about 40 to 50 in every state. And they also manage a team, those independent distributors, or you could say that they're their own business, their own business owner. They have a number of reps, could be as small as two, could be as high as 20 plus, right? So go-to-market team really starts from internal. You're creating the product, you're creating the marketing that goes along with it. You're consulting with your, your surgeon team that advises you on, on who your market is, the strategy, what, what problems you solve. And then, you know, you're launching products, right? And it's going out to the distributors, right? All around the country. You know, you're training these, these reps on, on your products so they know how to talk about it well. So whether it be on a webinar or in person, the last thing you want to see happen is the, and this happens not too, I mean, all too often in this industry. It's a new product. You know, rep calls you the, the night before or the morning of and saying, I've never seen this before. How do I, how do I use this? And you hate getting those calls, but it happens all too often in, in the industry. And it could be someone that's green. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, surgery is going to go bad or whatnot. The surgeon is a surgeon. They know how to use the product, but it's more so of, you know, their role in the, in the operating room as well. So with these sales agents in the field, what is their go to market like? How many days a week are they in the field? How many, how many meetings a day? Are they doing cold knocks? Are they all scheduled appointments? How do they get in front of the provider? You know, that's a really good question. I'm going to go back to kind of my experience with it because there's so many different strategies of being a salesperson, right? If you're just starting out in a territory and you, you don't have relationships and, and medical device sales, I would say is relationship, right? It's not a, a once and done or transactional sale. Like when I, my experience at ADT, you go in there, you sell the alarm and then you leave and you, you don't talk to that person again. There's no point of even coming back. Whereas, you know, you go to the surgeon and you, you meet with them. So you cold call, right? So typically you're, you're out, you'll go into the office, you'll get past the gatekeeper, which is always the, the, the front office people, right? Typically it's easier, I think, just to make an appointment and respect the surgeon's time because they're most likely in clinic seeing patients. You know, some surgeons see, uh, our physicians see 20 patients a day. I know surgeons and physicians that will see up to 80 patients a day. I have no clue how they do it. 
But that said, their time is valuable. So it's best to set a meeting. And what I've always thought was the best way to do it is, you know, I think this is kind of standard throughout the industry to own an account or to, to get into an account. It takes about eight to 12 touches, right? So whether you go in there the first time you introduce yourself and, you know, you show, you know, maybe your, your premier item or you just go there to learn about the physician and what their practice is and what they're seeing and then, you know, come back and finding a reason to come back. The best to get back to your question of like what the average sales day is, it's going to vary from levels of experience, right? There could be, the, like I said, the green person that's just coming out and trying to get their feet wet and new to a territory, or it's going to be the experienced guy that already has the relationship with these surgeons is already working with them. And it's, Hey, I have a new product. I have to show you. And it could be something simple as a text message or the next time they're in the OR with them at the scrub sink or either before or after, right? They're showing the product off to that surgeon saying, Hey, you know, we did this a couple of weeks ago. This is new. This is going to make your life easier. Do you want to give it a try? Other things may require a cadaver lab in, in my space, which means. You have a, a specimen or a, a body part and the surgeon wants to go through the entire procedure like they would before they go to the operating room. And there's also the part of medical education and things like that where there's CME courses, right? A continuing medical education. Now, industry cannot provide that, but we do put on and other companies do put on industry meetings where you have a group of, of lecturers, right? Speaking on best practices to tackle a procedure and surgeons go to attend them. To answer your question, I mean, it could be as far as wide as you want it to be, it's going to be on obviously the, the buyer that they're speaking to, as well as the experience of the, the sales rep. So it's a great summary. What I end up typically likening that to is it's an educational sale that requires the building of a relationship with that provider to get airtime with them. What we typically see in med device, med diagnostic space is you're not physically selling the medical device as you walk into the actual practice or before the provider, it's when JT Rimby needs surgery and therefore the Novastep product is, is ready to be leveraged by that provider. Is it making certain that you've got the headspace of, of Dr. Smith to recall Novastep at the right time? That's a good question. And I, I think that, and, and maybe I have a different perspective on, on sales with medical device, right? But Really, at the end of the day, it's it's going to come down to what is going to make your life easier and give the best positive outcome for the patient, right? I'm going to uncover and ask you questions, right, on what you're doing. Now, if this is a physician that I know everything that they do and I know what product, like what products they're using or what procedures they're doing, right, and I have something that's new that may make their life easier because I know the pros and cons of the competitor that they're using, you know, I can go in there and leave with that. But typically, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to ask when I'm with a physician, hey, what are you using? And typically, I know my home, I do my homework. I'm a product nerd, right? I look at every company's products inside and out and I can deduce where things may go wrong or may things, things may go right. And if that product, right, or the instrumentation of that product is making their life more difficult, right? And if I can solve that with a widget that I have, and this is not even Novastep related, this could be, anything, right? If I can make their life easier to give them a pa better patient outcome, that mindset of you're still selling a solution at the end of the day, right? What's going to make their life easier and what's going to be the best possible outcome for their patient. So that that's kind of the way I look at it is uncovering their pain 
and how I can provide something for it. Yeah, no, that's good color. I appreciate that. Let me turn this slightly and, and focus on leading an independent sales team or sales agents, distributors, 1099 reps. How do you incentivize, motivate, and make sure that you have, you referred to it in one of our prior meetings, shelf space in the distributor's head so that when I'm walking in as, as one of your sales agents, one of your distributors into a foot and ankle specialist office, how do you make sure that I'm going to push Nova Step versus other product lines? or competing product lines? So and that's a good question, right? The best way to get in with a distributor or independent sales agent is understand that they are their own business owners. So they're going to obviously want to do what's best from them and what's going to be successful for their business, right? So if you think about it from that perspective, what advantages or resources can I provide that business to be successful in their own space? If I have the best widget in town, but I have poor customer service and poor resources, it doesn't matter that I have the best widget in town. You have to give the full boat. If you think of it like that model of it it all comes into circle, right? From a customer service standpoint to a resource standpoint, but the the end goal is to partner. I I don't like the term managing sales agents, right? Because you're not managing them. You're partnering with them. You want them to be a part of your business as much as I want to be a part of their business, right? Because the the first customer that we have is the sales agent or the distributor, right? It's not the surgeon. We have relationships with with surgeons, right? But at the end of the day, it goes through the middleman, which is the distributor, right? That's how it gets to the, the surgery. So that said, I tell everybody that I work with, and this is maybe a funny say, saying, but I tell everybody that when I first meet them, look, call me once a week, even if it's for two minutes, just tell me that you kicked your dog. Because that way you're on, you're in my head, right? I'm thinking about you. And if I don't hear from you, I think of three things. Either you're fine, numbers are growing, you don't need my help, or B, you know, you're not really into what we're doing, right? You're pushing something else and you're not bought in or everything's fine. You don't need me. Yeah. What I hear you saying is be easy to work with, be responsive. If you take care of the distributor, the distributor understands the product line, takes care of the provider, the provider then takes care of the, the patient. It's a trickle-down effect. Yeah, there's no other way to do it. I mean, obviously, other people have models and ways of, of going about it. I just think this is it's the most direct way. I mean, if you have a sales rep that you're calling and you can't get a hold of them, you're going to call somebody else, right? So it's kind of the same game of if you don't answer the phone, someone else will. And, and that's kind of a good motto to if you want to be successful in sales. That's That's really what you got to do. There's some stats. Todd Capone has put this stuff out before uh, the transparency sale. Love following that guy. He's brilliant. Recently, he had, he had put out some numbers about the, the percentage of sales reps that do not respond to phone calls, voicemails, or emails. And you're like, that's, that is like the only thing you, you can easily control is a response. It's a lifeline. It is. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. Okay. So. One of the things that I'm still blown away with in 2022 is the number of sales leaders that lead outside sales teams that do not have access or insight into leading indicators. So I'm going to make an assumption here and you have to correct me. Anytime I have conversations with sales sales leaders where the go-to-market strategy is done with sales agents, distributors, or 1099 reps, I automatically assume, Brian, 
that you're going to have retroactive reporting. Well, let's figure out how October went when it's November 10th and the numbers come out versus being able to say, ooh, I don't like the trends that I'm seeing for October. Let's course correct and implement this strategy or talk to this rep and coach them how to do this. So that's a long-winded way to, to say, do you have the ability to course correct? If so, what kind of data do you use or leverage? Or is it literally just trusting that you have the right sales agents on board to do the core blocking and tackling that you need them to? Well, that's a loaded question. It is. <laughs> so let's, let's, no, but let's, let's pick it apart, right? I like this. It's kind of a, a good little puzzle because we deal with that all the time, right? And I think that's when it's a good thing to have the inside people, right? Like our, our, for us to be our, our sales AVPs, as well as our marketing product specialists and myself with boots on the ground talking to the sales agents, right? I mean, we live practically on a plane. It's, it's part of the job, but you're able to see the day to day activity. And some of the stuff that they bring, that they, the points they raise of maybe why something isn't working well or isn't going the way we expected it to, you know, may have some validity to it. Other times, it could just be shared laziness, right? And it may also be geographical. It's something that works in the Southeast, and I'm just going to use bunion surgery, for example, they're in flip-flops all the time. Percutaneous bunion surgery for someone living in the Southeast, maybe Florida, right? Miami may be happy to get three poke holes instead of a big, long incision. But the guy in North Dakota who puts on boots every day probably doesn't care. So you have to kind of think outside the box. And and sometimes metrics, as far as numbers, aren't always the best indicator. You know, some people are going to say, oh, we're having a bad month. But it's easy to say, oh, the numbers are down. But then you have to look at the bigger picture of really what the issue behind it was. Got it. Being head of business development there, positioning slightly with this, What's the recruitment strategy of additional distributors or distributors group or sales agents? What is that like bringing them on? So I would encourage you to listen to a podcast I did. It's Road to Medical Device Sales. And I was a, a partner of mine in Arizona. And we talked really about, you know, new reps going into either the comp, like a big, larger company, right, where they're W2 or going with a 1099. And, you know, for us, bringing on someone that's new and green and as a principal distributor is not going to give us the the return that we want initially. There's two ways to go about it. If we have someone that's tenured and they're, they've been in the area or been in the industry for five, six years or, or longer, right? They have a track record of being, of being successful. That's going to be attractive to us. The problem with that also is they're, they're successful and they have about 10 other companies knocking on their door saying, hey, we want you to represent us, then they end up doing that, right? And they're trying to keep 10 different companies happy all at one time. And you're just like getting a piece of their pie, right? You're not getting the whole thing. Or you can go the the organic route, right? And Medical Device Sales College has done a great job of helping reps get into the industry. I have my own opinions on them. But they do do a good job of kind of giving the reps a good sense of what the day-to-day life is and kind of weaning out and giving it to them what the role is. So that said, typically, we would look for someone that's been in the, the industry for at least three to five years, has a track record. Obviously, if they have more experience, obviously, the better. And then it also comes into what we need them to do, right? What focus of area? Like, I can't take someone from spine and put them into foot and ankle surgery. They may have been in the industry for years, right? And we'll bring them up to New York 
and we'll we'll do a training with them in-house for about two to three days. And they'll learn all the basics from starting at the forefoot, working their way back, and really diving into procedures. And it helps to learn the procedure first, and then understanding how the hardware works in conjunction with the procedure that the surgeon's performing at the time. Brian, you just mentioned, you referenced green reps or reps that are just now cracking in to the med device industry. What advice for maybe for sales leaders or even for a med device rep, what would you coach them on, on how to kind of launch into this space on how they would manage their day? What would help them hit the ground running? It's kind of a little bit of, I gave a little, a little context behind that, right? So anybody that's new going into this, in this industry, and this industry is rewarding and, and it can tear you down at the same time. But if you're green, green meaning new into the industry, looking just to get your feet wet or get your foot in the door, you have two options, right? You have the W2 company route, like working for a striker or an Arthrex, or you can go with an independent sales agent, right? Someone local, boots on the ground. Both have the pros and cons, but the really what it comes down to is going to be the first three years of you getting into this space. How much knowledge can you build and get to, to build your knowledge and be successful, right? And if you go to the bigger company, most of the time they're going to invest in you. Right. They're going to send you to training courses. You're going to be flown all over the, all over the country and you're going to get exposed to a lot of different things. Whereas if you're a distributor and you're working for that distributor model, you may not get all the coaching and mentorship that you need because it's a small business. At the end of the day, you have to remember that. Right. So they may lean on companies like, like me and Novastep, who they partner with to help educate their sales force, or they may be just having you come in and covering small little cases that free up their day or running trays to get sterilized the day before a case so that they can free up their day and make sales calls and build their their revenue and and their book of business. Not to say that can't happen in a corporate world. I ride with with reps all the time and they got notes. I mean, typical rep car is there's, there's fast food all over the floor, books and notes, and then they're pulling out Excel spreadsheets on their phone of where they gotta go. But really the best, the way to be successful is being effective. Right. And you can't be effective if you're not organized. Some will say, well, my mess is my organization, but that's, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. But that said, I actually stumbled on my customers. For me, it was nice because I did not know my way around Arizona at all. So I took every surgeon that we had or every ortho and podiatrist that was in Arizona and I put everything into the map and my day was literally filled with, I would create a route and I go one by one by one. Until I got home, I was able just to plug in my map, who was close by, who haven't I seen in, in a couple of weeks. And I would pop in and then I would make it back in time for the case. Now, luckily for me, I, I took over a territory that did not do well. I turned it into 1.45 million in the, the year that I had it. And I, and I won President's Club. I was the number two growth rep in Wright Medical in 2017. And I, I attributed that a lot of that to, to map my customers because it really did help me get in, organized with my day. And develop a call pattern and also be able to see who haven't I seen in a while. You know, I was able to edit fields and put in, all right, what type of surgeon are they? Who are their competitors? I had all my notes. So if ever, whenever I went in somewhere, I knew by a quick look, right, what I was walking into. And as soon as I left, I tagged it so that I knew what was going on. So I think that's a, that's a huge help. I love success stories like that. I do still stand dumbfounded when I come across companies that invest so much in onboarding 
product training, industry knowledge, persona-based value props, how to get by a gatekeeper. And then they hand outside sales reps a list of 300 accounts, pat them on the back and say, okay, go get them. And there's no ability to strategically, efficiently, and effectively attack the territory. So I'm grateful you shared the story and, and congrats. That's a good good thing. You took an underperforming territory and took it to 1.4 plus. That's That's good stuff, man. You have to develop them. You have to give them real coaching moments, ride along with them, see what they're doing is talk to them a couple of times a week. That'll go a long way as long as you're focused on their development, because by developing them, obviously it's going to hit, help you hit your number as well as hit the company's number and their, and their, their potential. And there's a reason why sales reps, you know, I think the average sales rep goes from company to company every three to four years. I think that's a true statistic. I hope I'm not pulling out of thin air. I think it's actually less than three years. I think it's in the two range. Yeah. I think the reason why that happens is, right, a good sales rep who had, like, for me, I, I won President's Club, right? And I get all these people on LinkedIn reaching out to me. Hey, you know, this compensation, this, this, this. And I just didn't bite. But, you know, it's easy to fall into that and say, all right, I'm going to go to this company. And, you know, they, they give me a good guarantee for the first year, right? But then I got to non-compete all this other stuff that goes along with it. That said, you really have to look into the company's resources. And the best resource can be your manager sometimes. If they're very in tune of what's going on in the field and what your day-to-day is or have lived your day-to-day, right? And they can show you how to get around some of these issues that you're seeing or help be the closer, then that's the best resource you can possibly have. Those are the guys you want to work for. And those are the, those are the regional managers or the managers that are effectively every year hitting a podium or being recognized for for doing well in their industry because they're in tune with what, what's actually going on in the field. Awesome. Brian, thank you for joining us today for the insights. Grateful for the stories. I'm wishing you all the best and continued success and an, an awesome foundation of a career that you've already built. So thank you very much for joining us. And JT, thanks for having me. Like I said, I was I know our schedule wasn't working out too well, but we finally made it work. You know, I, I really did enjoy this, just kind of passing along knowledge to anybody that's, that's willing to listen. Hopefully they, the audience finds this helpful and I look forward to doing this again, you know, sometime soon. That sounds great. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Thank you. Thank you again for listening today. Thank you to our sponsor, Matt, my customers. Remember, traditional CRMs were never designed with outside sales reps in mind. Whether that's SAP, Oracle, Microsoft Dynamics, Salesforce, HubSpot, even Pegasystems. The list goes on. Those CRMs are too cumbersome. They're too complex and far too time consuming for outside sales reps. Keep in mind from at my customers, half of our customers use us as the CRM of record. The other half use Map My Customers as the tip of the spear for their existing CRM. Designed specifically for outside sales reps, a mobile-first platform helping to strategically segment accounts along with routing and mapping, activity logging, and much more. Keep in mind that ease of use drives user adoption. Adoption delivers data and data delivers insights. Visit mapmycustomers.me for more info. Be sure to subscribe to the Field Sales Leadership Guide podcast if you haven't already. Share with your friends, colleagues, and your family members. If you do have additional questions or comments for Brian or myself, please send us a message. We'd love to hear from you and answer any questions you may have. Tune in next time for another great episode. Thanks again for listening today.